Our second scripture lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3. I'm going to start by reading the first four verses, and then we'll pick up at verse 12. Listen again for the word of God. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And then at verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I recently heard an interview given by one of the actors for the recent Downton Abbey movie talking about the importance of the wardrobe to her own ability to inhabit the character she plays. The actress plays the eldest Grantham sister, Mary, she said that when Downton Abbey first began production many years ago, she wondered how she would be able to truly live into a character so different from her own life. She was not raised in wealth and privilege. She was not a part of the English aristocracy living in a fine manor home in the countryside of England. But she said that when she put on the wardrobe prepared for her by the costume designer, these beautiful period costumes that would have been worn by those of high birth, of generational wealth, something amazing happened. She immediately felt a kind of transformation come over her. She said her posture changed. She heard herself begin speaking in a more polished English accent. She began to carry herself differently in many ways. The wardrobe helped her inhabit the character of Mary, to become Mary in a more visceral, real way. All of us know this experience in one way or another, don't we? Perhaps you remember the Halloweens of your childhood, or you have watched your own children or grandchildren on Halloween. If you put on the costume of a superhero, you suddenly began to run and jump and kick and karate chop like a superhero. If you put on the costume of a witch or a vampire, you suddenly began to speak like the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz and cackle and screw up your face like a mean, scary witch. Or if you were dressed like a vampire, you began to speak like Dracula or Count Chocula and bare your teeth like any good vampire would. 
Many of us also know the experience of dressing for an interview for a job or for entry into college or a graduate degree program and dressing to impress. Or perhaps we are going to a fancy wedding or a fancy party and we put on formal wear and find that we carry ourselves a bit differently and our manners suddenly become ever so slightly more refined. Or perhaps you have the experience of coming out of a period of depression or turmoil in your own life and you have felt a sense of renewed joy and hope, and you suddenly find yourself reaching into your closet beyond the black and the gray and the neutrals and pulling out clothing that is more colorful to match your more hopeful, positive outlook on life. We know it is important to dress the part we want to play or to dress in a way we hope the world will perceive us. The old adage has some truth, the clothes make the man, or in a more inclusive rendition, the clothes make the person. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul uses a clothing metaphor to describe how we are to live our lives and move through the world as Christian people. In the verses prior to the ones we read this morning, Paul tells the Colossians that they must strip off their old clothing their old way of life before they came to know Jesus. He tells them they must strip off whatever in them is earthly, impurity, evil desire, greed. He tells them they must lay aside anger, malice, lies, slander, and abusive language like you would lay aside a worn coat that can no longer serve its purpose. Those are the ways of the world, Paul tells them. And in your former life in the world, you practiced many of those worldly habits and ethics. But now, he says, beginning in verse 12, now you know that you are chosen, holy and beloved by God. And because you have been chosen and called holy and beloved, because you have been chosen by God in Jesus Christ and have been brought into the Christian community through baptism, now you must put on a whole new wardrobe. Paul writes, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. While this clothing metaphor may seem strange to our modern Presbyterian ears, it is important to understand that in the context of the early church, this would have made perfect sense to Paul's readers and hearers. In the baptismal practices of the early church, most new believers received baptism by total immersion not the dainty sprinkling we do here at IPC and in most Presbyterian churches across the land, and not only were new believers immersed in rivers and pools for baptism, 
Quite often, the practice was that before they entered the water, they stripped off the clothes they were wearing, the clothing that symbolized their old life, and when they came up out of the baptismal waters, sputtering and drawing their first full breath after having been buried with Christ and raised to new life as a baptized Christian, they would be given new white robes to put on, symbolizing their new life in Christ. In their baptism, they laid aside their old life, and as they entered fully into the Christian community, they put on a whole new wardrobe as they were clothed with Christ. Even though here at IPC we sprinkle rather than immerse, most often babies, though sometimes people who are older, the symbolism of baptism is the same for each one of us. During the baptismal liturgy in the prayer of thanksgiving over the water, we say, we thank you, O God, for the water of baptism. In it, we are buried with Christ in his death. From it, we are raised to share in his resurrection. Through it, we are reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is reminding us, as he reminded the Colossians, that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be distinctively different in our behavior, in our relationships, in our manner of life than the ways of the world. We are called as Christian people to put on Christ in our daily living and in all of our relationships to be imitators of Jesus Christ as we move through the world. Our goal as Christian people is always to seek to reach the full stature of Christ, to allow Christ to dwell in us and shine through us so completely that we take on more and more of the character of Jesus as we inhabit the clothing that Christ calls us to wear each and every day. As Christian people, we should hope that those out in the larger community around our church and in every place where we may travel around the world, people will look at us and see the way we move and live, and they should be able to say that we speak and we move and we live and we treat one another and every person with whom we come in contact they should be able to look at those ways in which we live and know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. They should look at us and see us clothed clearly in Christ. All of us here today know that the world outside of these walls can be a difficult place. The values of the world, the way we treat one another according to the world's standards, often feels so harsh and divisive and cruel. And many of us feel weary, worn, and just a bit beat up, perhaps, after the past two and a half years in our collective life experiences, as our world seems to have grown increasingly more divided and harsh. The writer Anne Lamott wrote recently, I know we are each the light of the world, but I'm so not in the mood. My feet really hurt, and plus I'm exhausted and a little bitter. 
You'd think after two years of COVID horror, we would get an ostentatious spring, a time of ease with maybe a little random and visible magic. If I were God's West Coast rep, she says, I would have scheduled oceans of grass and tulips with a cancer cure thrown in, rather than this brutal, brutal evil war on Ukraine and Putin shaking the nuclear saber. Still, I know that if you want to have loving feelings instead of doom and hatred, you do loving things. You care for the lonely and the sick, feed the hungry, welcome strangers, treat yourself gently, call an incredibly annoying relative just to say hello. And I know how to help hope bloom. Remember back to all the times life found a way out of no way. Plant tulips just for the joy of it, which also increases the light in the world. Give the biggest donations you can muster to humanitarian aid groups and over tip. But where do we even begin? How can motley old us change the world, become a great light brigade through prayer and generosity and reckless love? She goes on to say to look for the places, people, and events that remind you that God is real and active in the world, that light can and often does overcome darkness, and that grace always bats last. In other words, look for the places where you can see people clearly living in the world, clothed in the wardrobe of Christ. Just after reading the Lamott piece, I stumbled across a blog by Elizabeth Gilbert that gave just one example of a time and a place where light broke through and grace batted last. And she saw someone clothed in what I would call the wardrobe of Christ. She writes, some years ago, I was stuck on a cross-town cross bus in New York City during rush hour. Traffic was barely moving. The bus was filled with cold, tired people who were deeply irritated with one another, with the rainy, sleety weather, with the world itself. Two men barked at each other about a shove that may or may not have been intentional. A pregnant woman got on and nobody offered her a seat. Rage was in the air. No mercy would be found here. But as the bus approached 7th Avenue, the driver got on the intercom. Folks, he said, I know you have had a rough day and you're frustrated. I can't do anything about the weather or the traffic, but here's what I can do. As each one of you gets off the bus, I will reach out my hand to you. As you walk by, drop your troubles into the palm of my hand, okay? Don't take your problems home to your families tonight, just leave them with me. My route goes right by the Hudson River, and when I drive by there later, I'll open the window and throw your troubles out into the water. Sound good? It was as if a spell had lifted. Everyone burst out laughing. Faces gleamed with surprised delight. People who had been pretending for the past hour not to notice each other's existence were suddenly grinning at each other, like, is this guy serious? Oh, he was serious. 
At the next stop, just as promised, the driver reached out his hand, palm up, and waited. One by one, all the exiting commuters placed their hand just above his and mimed the gesture of dropping something into his palm. Some laughed as they did this. Some teared up. But everyone did it. The driver repeated the same lovely, lovely ritual at the next stop, too, and the next, all the way to the river. Gilbert goes on. We live in a hard world, my friends. Sometimes it is extra difficult to be a human being. Sometimes you have a bad day. Sometimes you have a bad day that lasts for several years. You struggle and fail. You lose jobs, money, friends, faith, and love. You witness horrible events unfolding in the news, and you become fearful and withdrawn. There are times when everything seems cloaked in darkness. You long for the light, but you don't know where to find it. But what if you are the light? What if you are the very agent of illumination that a dark situation begs for? That's what the bus driver taught me, that anyone can be the light at any moment. This guy wasn't some big power player. He wasn't a spiritual leader. He wasn't some media-savvy influencer. He was a bus driver, one of society's most invisible workers. But he possessed real power, and he used it beautifully for our benefit. When life seems especially grim, or when I feel particularly powerless in the face of the world's troubles, I think of this man and I ask myself, what can I do right now to be the light? Of course, I can't personally end all wars or solve global warming or transform vexing people into entirely different creatures. I definitely can't control traffic. But I do have some influence on everyone I brush up against, even if we never speak or learn each other's name. How we behave matters, because within human society, everything is contagious. Sadness and anger, yes, but also patience and generosity, which means we all have more influence than we realize. No matter who you are or where you are or how mundane or tough your situation may seem, I believe you can illuminate your world. In fact, I believe that is the only way the world will ever be illuminated. One bright act of grace at a time, all the way to the river. My Christian family, you and I are called to be a part of the Light Brigade, to illuminate our world in whatever way we can today we are not called to put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love just because we want to be nice people. 
We are called to put on this wardrobe because we are followers of Jesus Christ who modeled all of those attributes to us and who has chosen us, called us holy and beloved, welcomed us into a state of grace, into a family of faith, and calls us to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. Jesus calls us to die with him and to be raised to a transformed new life in which every single day we seek to imitate him in such a way and to such a degree that everyone who sees us can see the face of Christ shining out of our own faces and illuminating the darkness of the world. As Christian people, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must intentionally choose to wake up each morning and put on this whole new wardrobe and to allow this wardrobe to help us inhabit the character of Jesus Christ in every word we speak, in every relationship we have, in every action we take. We are called to choose these clothes every single day, knowing that they don't fit us perfectly, but knowing also that God is working within us every day so that the wardrobe fits us just a little bit better today than it did yesterday. It is important to realize that this passage is meant for us as we live in Christian community together. It is in the formative and transformative experience of living in this community with each other that we can best practice this new way of living. You help me remember to put on this wardrobe every day. You all help me learn what it means to live with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and forbearance. You remind me of what it means to live with forgiveness and love. You teach me how to love and be loved, how to live with the peace of Christ ruling in my heart and mind and spirit, even when I am most in turmoil. You teach me how to live in unity, even when we disagree with each other. You show me what it means to live with the word of Christ dwelling in me richly as you dwell in his word. You teach and admonish me and show me what it means to live with gratitude no matter the circumstances surrounding me. And sometimes, by the grace of God, perhaps I can show you some of those things too. That's what happens in Christian community. As we gather in this sanctuary for worship, as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God, we are formed into a community of people transformed by the love of God in Christ and then sent out from this place to be a part of transforming the world. This way of life we are called to inhabit takes practice. And we are called into this community so that we can practice it together. 
When the world looks at us, at the way we treat each other, at the way we live with one another, at the way we speak to and about one another, at the way we serve one another and the world outside these walls, at the way we love one another and every child of God we meet within these walls and out in the world. When the world looks at us, can they see Christ in us? This day and every day, let us wake up and decide to put on the wardrobe of Christ to practice living as he lived together. This day and every day, let us ask ourselves, no matter what is happening in the world or in each one of our lives that might seek to distract us from living as followers of Jesus Christ, let us ask ourselves, what can I do right now to be the light? It does not have to be a grand gesture. We cannot and do not have to save the world but in small ways, in gestures of kindness, compassion, forgiveness, forbearance, and love, practiced with each other and practiced out in the world, we can illuminate our little corner of the world with the light of Jesus Christ. We can offer one small, bright act of grace each day so that others can come to know Jesus Christ and his grace as we know him. And whatever we choose to do each day, in word or in deed, let us remember and choose to do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks be to God. Amen.